Broadcasting from Under the Dome in Chester's Mill, this is Under the Dome Radio, a fan podcast by and for fans of the CBS television show, Under the Dome. This is an emergency broadcast, so please pay careful attention. Please stop what you're doing and listen. This is not a drill. I can't tell you if what happened is an act of terror or an act of God, but I'll keep everyone updated as we learn more. Wayne? 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 Troy, Troy, calm down. I'm right here. Oh, sweet. I thought you might have gotten trapped outside the dome when it came down. I couldn't hear you there for a minute. I think the uh, government's messing with our Skype connection or something. Or maybe it's just something else. I don't know. Either way, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of Under the Dome Radio. It's the fan podcast for the Under the Dome TV special event. And we've got a mega lot. Of, mega event. Oh, mega it, it, event. it has to be a mega event. 13.14 million viewers. And I'm and not going to. All gonna, of them will be dome heads someday. That's right. I'm not going to stop till they all know about this podcast. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about with you now that the pilot of Under the Dome is aired. We've got a lot of excellent feedback, so let's go ahead and break it down for you. This is episode number four, focused on Dome Day, okay, which was the day the dome fell. It's produced by MediaVoiceOvers.com, that's me, and our affiliate links. You can check out all the ways you can help out the podcast and help share the love at UnderTheDomeRadio.com slash love. And on this episode, we're going to go on the air, which of course, we're going to be talking about the premiere of Under the Dome, finally. And then we are going to broadcast at the Tower, and that's the section of the show where we play your listener feedback, and then we'll go into the broadcasts section. That's the part of the show where we thank the folks who are help, helping get the word out about, you know, we got this situation here with the Dome, they're trying to help us out. And then near the end of the podcast, In the Dome, also known as In the Know, it's kind of a spoilery edgy part of the show might be spoilery might not because we know that the tv series is going to be different than the book so might be spoilery might not but we'll put it at the end if you want to avoid that altogether, and then we'll have dome head interactions so again everything for this particular episode episode four of under the dome radio is at under the dome radio.com slash four and this is, of course, Wayne Henderson. I'm the podcasting, voice acting, Packers shareholder. And with that power, I will make sure that Lambeau Field will never become a dome stadium. Just saying. And sharing hosting duties. Yes, kids, I said duties, okay? Please welcome fellow Packers shareholder, fundraising bike rider, and the man who refreshes his Facebook profile and header photos with more frequency than a radio station or a podcast, Troy Heinrichs. You forgot propane tank hunter as well. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Yeah. And hey, Paul, Paul Randolph, if you're out there, those tanks we told you about on Twitter this weekend. Yeah, uh, they're still there and there's stuff going on. So you better send some out and check that out. Well, you know, that'll be our gain, I guess. We want you to share your thoughts and theories about Under the Dome. You can either call our listener voicemail like many fine listeners did, but we want to hear your voice next time. Call us, jot this number down, grab a pencil, okay? It's area code 
469-7469 or send in your audio feedback directly from your computer or smartphone by using the voicemail widget on our site at underthedomeradio.com. Now, before we travel around the mill, it's a good time to remind everybody that Under the Dome Radio is not affiliated with CBS, Stephen King, or the Under the Dome miniseries, although we'd love to be. Heck, there might even be a C-note in there for you because you saw Big Jim on the episode. He is handing out those $100 tips like there's no tomorrow. I'll take 100 I'll take 100 How many hundreds do you think Jim has? Are we playing Jeopardy or are we doing a podcast here? <laughs> we are multitasking. We're doing both. Uh, so we're going <laughs> to dig right in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the segment known as On the Air, where we're going to be talking about what was on the air on your television the other night under the dome. Some of the favorite parts that jumped out at us right away. And Troy, I'm going to let you kick this off for us. Yeah, well, we had one of our listeners actually uh, had a bunch of stuff that I actually had written up myself. So uh, I'm going to credit Neil from Bowie. Uh, he has a, a bunch of these same thoughts and theories. But wasn't it convenient that Parade Day just happened to be the same day as the Dome? Yeah, I think that's because whoever's behind the Dome or whatever's behind the Dome, they want to mess up Parade Day. And they knew that people would be unavailable. Who like, really? Come on. Everybody likes a good parade. <laughs> Not everybody. Yes, this is true. This is true. But the good thing is, is that the people that went to uh, the uh, parade, um, even though it seemed kind of fishy, all of those fish did get out of the fishbowl. Maybe it was orchestrated from the inside. Maybe it was orchestrated from the outside. But that's due for you for a little bit. But uh, yeah, definitely interesting that all the fire trucks left town. So... Uh, who's there to put out fires, EMTs, things of that nature? We'll have to wait and see. What about Barbie? He was interesting, wasn't he? Uh, he's, up. he's an well, interesting character that's really caught on with a lot of people right away. I, I thought Junior was actually the character at the beginning, and then they cut away and they kind of came back to him, and then with the beard, I was like, oh, no, that's that's Mike. you know. So uh, definitely uh, Barbie there at the opening sequence bearing a body and... Uh, Interesting to find out what'll be happening later on, I suppose, when we get to uh, him and uh, Ms. Shumway uh, chatting it up there in her house. But uh, we'll say that for a little bit. And then then Julia Shumway goes out to, actually, I found out it was actually Mrs. Grinnell or Ms. Grinnell. Um, We'll talk a little bit about Grinnell later on in our In the Dome segment, but (laughs) it is the Grinnell house and mentions about the, uh, the paper being called The Independent. Uh, I found that very interesting. And along with the lines just after that, when uh, Joe and Barbie are at the dome and he talks about, uh, I think you got the clip, don't you, Wayne, about talking about what, what's going on with the government there? Well, this kind of sums it up best. In fact, you could also subtitle this under the dome radio question and answer time. Okay. What if the government built this thing? I doubt it. Why? Because it works. Okay, so they're poking fun at the government. <laughs> Who doesn't and, like to do that? And the newspaper is called The Independent. So uh, I know we're going to save some stuff for uh, the dome uh, in the dome section later, but in the book, the, the newspaper is actually called The Democrat. So I find it interesting that there's already a very good political undertone going on in the show. To either, I don't know, spite DC or kind of throw it back at the government or, you know, maybe it's an undertone statement that, you know, we see Big Jim kind of claiming power already in the very early goings on. That didn't take long. 
yeah, I'm the only councilman. You know, everybody's <laughs> got to listen to me. So I, I think maybe there's going to be a lot more political undertones in this show. And I just thought it was very interesting that they went to the independent route to uh, kind of show a bipartisanship, if you will. Mm. But I highly doubt there'll be bipartisanship in the Dome. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. Then there's Junior. Ugh. So, you know, nice, sweet. Oh, I love you forever, Angie. I don't like that guy. And then, bam, grabs her arm. Like, what the heck? The, you know, the guy is a creep. And he's so, really annoying. And then he's sitting in his bed, you know, and he's playing with this switchblade. And he's going to, looks like he's going to cut himself. So he goes from lover to abuser to suicide to, okay, later on kidnapping Angie and throwing her in a watery fallout shelter or something. Not nice. So he's just all kinds of messed up already. And then he just happens to go out and see Barbie, who's got a gun, by the way. So, yeah, I'm just going to walk you out and bring a, a, a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see some of that. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like, what are you thinking? Going by yourself, dude. Uh, it's like just, uh, But I guess he's not thinking because he's definitely... Uh, little messed up in the head the one thing i did notice that was interesting though wayne did you notice on angie's shoulder in that scene um and we're, of course we're looking at her shoulder uh was the butterfly tattoo on i the did back not notice didn't even so, see it i don't know if that's really brit's actual tattoo or if they put it in there as a kind of shout out stephen king-ish uh because of the book uh, 11 63 where the guy goes from the current present back to stop uh, the jfk shooting and uh, talks about a lot of you know butterfly effect and changing times. So I didn't know if that was like a shout out to the butterfly effect eleven twenty two sixty three novel. That's, that's another really, another Stephen King book. It is another Stephen King book. So it was. Mm. I, I didn't know if it was her tattoo or if it was kind of put there on purpose. <laughs> I just I happened to notice it and I wrote it right down right away. I was like, oh, butterfly. <laughs> I I loved just the visuals. Well, I loved a lot about this episode of Under the Dome. But the visuals, as Stephen King promised, did not disappoint. When the dome came down and cut that cow in half, I, I must say my wife was really grossed out. But I got kind of hungry. I was super hungry. I was like double quarter pounder. How much? How many quarter pounders mm, did you get from that? Medium, medium rare. I'll take mine tartar. Oh my. <laughs> So we, we could go on forever with the beef jokes, but it was a very cool scene, especially when it slid down and fell over. It was great because the one falls to the side <clears throat> and then the other one just kind of right down the side of the dome. It was cool. Oh, man. But was it? I, I rewatched the episode and what I found out was Barbie touched the cow and got shocked. Oh, and really? Then, and then he touched the dome. And didn't get shocked. So is there some kind of energy transference that's taking place? Because everybody else touched the dome, got shocked, and then touched the dome again. He actually touched the cow. I can't believe how many people are touching the dome. I'm surprised it's not like a 9-volt battery and they're up there trying to lick it, see what happens. It's like, come so on, people. It's so what would happen if you stick your tongue on a 9-volt battery and then immediately stick it on a frozen flagpole? Or just stick the 9-volt uh, battery on the dome. I I don't know. I just thought that was weird. We got the idea after one or two people touched it. Not everybody. Definitely interesting. And and the plane crashing into the dome. We've s seen little teasers of that in the commercials and promos, but in the episode itself, it just played really, really well. And the they identified the lady's purse. It was Mrs. Sanders. 
So keep that in the back of your mind. We'll revisit Mrs. Sanders in our In the Dome section later on. Okay. So I have a question for you. I am ready. I hope this isn't a quiz, though. No math. I promise. No math. Oh, okay. But it's science, right? Because it is science fiction. Uh, No problem. So the dome doesn't allow audio audible transmissions, right? They don't even have a podcast or a microphone or Skype to get through the dome. Right. It'd make a great studio because it was dead silent. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. It's like test the uh, cell phone uh, clarity, if you will, in one of those soundproof rooms. But typically sound travels on air. Right, sound waves vibrate the air particles, and that allows sound to travel. Right. So if sound can't get through, does that mean air can't get through? I don't know. I'm just trying to see if there's any scientists or physicists out there that would want to, you know, chime in and give us a call nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. I'm worried. Well, I'm not sure if they're going to make it different than in the book. If this is one of the things, but I know that a lot of people are questioning that already. People are wondering about that same thing if air doesn't travel through the dome at any rate how long do they have before everybody in the dome just you know it turns into a hot house but i'm sure they're going to mention this probably on episode two or three if it kind of goes along the same time frame as the book we'll get a little info or yes they'll make it different we won't (laughs) yeah but no audio no cell phone uh power is definitely cut you hear they we found out why the power was out, and it doesn't really state it uh, point blank in the book, but it uh, obviously the dome cut the power lines. Go figure. You know, that Makes was a pretty sense. simple way. Yeah. No conspiracy there on the electricity, but maybe the cell phones are being jammed. Mm-hmm. Could be. But Mysteries. We, Listeners, what do you think? And, and switching over to the radio station then. I find it interesting that the radio station is able to pick up the chatter outside of the dome. So I think there's a matter of how much voltage, ampage, whatever you want to call it, to power the antenna to be able to break through that EM field that's kind of surrounding the dome that we're seeing as they touch it. So, you know, cell phones might not have a strong enough signal, but what if you attached your cell phone and made a giant radio antenna off of it. Like we used to do when we taped the, uh, the fake antennas on the back to get better cell signal. Right. The- That's probably one of the things that isn't going to matter in the long run. I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that the DJ and Doty there in the radio station are both geniuses and they just found a way. On a ham radio or whatever. It looked like a ham radio, just dialing in the frequencies, right? I believe so. A very high tech ham radio is what it appeared to me. My, my dad and his ham radio, he would have been all over this. But he's not here to help us out. So I'm going to jump to Carolyn. I found it very different, right? Because there is an out-of-town couple and two out-of-town children in the book. So the fact that Carolyn is from out of town with her um, lesbian partner, Alice, who we find out is diabetic. She's just taken her insulin shot but didn't eat any food. That's never a good thing. Um, But they have their daughter with them, Nori. And Nori... Um, going to camp or something for, you know, disgruntled children from L.A., I suppose. Yeah, she didn't look like she was looking forward to going to camp. Not like, you know, most kids love to go to camp. It was very intriguing that her and our good friend, Mr. Joe, the two kind of teenagers, they both had the seizures. So is it only teenagers that are going to have seizures? Because none of the adults had seizures, and they were by the dome a heck of a lot longer than Nori and Joe were. That's interesting, but it is only episode one are they connected somehow 
They've got to be. They're both rambling off about this, the same things. They were, uh, stars are falling uh, in lines stars. and things like that. Pink stars, very Ooh. specific pink stars are falling in lines. Not gold flaky stars that you stick on your forehead, but the pink no. stars. Not brown dwarfs, not red giants. You know, pink stars falling in lines. And I think what was happening is they were having a vision. They were having some kind of memory flashback, I think is what it was. They were dreaming about a food fight they had in the cafeteria with those pink coconut snowballs streaking through, smashing into people's faces. Somebody brought up an interesting theory. They they just told me that it looked like they were kind of, even though it was a seizure, you know, kind of like you would have as with epilepsy or something. Uh, but also it kind of seemed like somebody was speaking through them is what somebody thought. I don't know. Oh, like Throwing in uh, it out there. Like a, th- uh, a spiritual presence Maybe. You know, taking taking over the body. But it is Stephen King, so anything is possible. He's well-versed in those areas. So then there's Lyndon Rusty, right? I, I rewatched it again because in the beginning she says, why did uh, Duke Perkins, the sheriff, says, why did you say yes to that knucklehead? <laughs> and she's showing off her ring. And then later in the episode, towards the end, just before Duke bites the big one, um, we assume he's dead. I mean, his pacemaker shot right out of his heart. I mean, he's got that, you're pretty cool. He's poor guy. Gone. I'm going to miss him. He's one of my favorite actors on this uh, series. I loved loved him. Well, IMDb had him in two episodes, so maybe he's just on a gurney in the second one. Who knows? But um, flashbacks. So they, she said that they were talking about you know that she had to skip going to the parade to the game. Uh, because she had to work a second shift to save money for their honeymoon. So I don't know if they're engaged, not yet married, or if they're just married. They didn't really clarify that. So it'd be interesting to find out, but um, apparently no children. So they don't have any children. They're either early in their marriage or right about to get married, but they are on opposite sides of the dome. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as things progress, who is going to be the more fortunate ones, the people that are in the dome or the people outside of the dome? Because perhaps you're actually safer inside the dome, depending on what might happen. I never thought of it that way. But then Safe. again, Big Jim Rennie's, Big Jim Rennie's in the dome handing out $100 bills, So, but you can't really spend them very many places. So safe is a relative term. Exactly. Interesting. I'll buy that. I'll go with that. Just a thought. Just a thought. So then, of course, we have Duke Perkins, the sheriff. Seems like a nice guy. You know, um, he has this conversation with Jim. Um, and interesting how they described the, you know, the town and the rules and the, you know, we don't want people with badges, you know, just running around shooting people and all this stuff. That's and, then, good. and then he kind of like blackmails them or bribes them or something. And what I couldn't quite pick out was, did he sign? Did Duke sign the requisitions to start bringing in propane because he really thought he was restocking the town supply, or did Duke actually have an ulterior motive, and he was in cahoots with Big Jim the whole time? So I'm not sure. I didn't get enough out of that scene to tell me if Duke and Jim were partners, or if Duke was just, oh, you need some propane, sure, no problem, but I'm not going to ask questions. Just go ahead and do it. Well, it was definitely a pivotal scene in the episode, and I I watched it a few times because it really stood out, and I think it's giving us a big teaser about something that's coming down the line. I got the impression that uh, Duke was kind of tied into it, but uh, 
Big Jim Rennie is the one kind of running the show, but now that uh, Duke is tied into it a little bit, uh, Rennie's not going to let him back out and wash his hands of it. And it's the second time during that episode we heard about uh, the propane uh, earlier at Grinnell's house. You know, Julia's out there and she's talking about, you know, it's the fourth delivery this week. There were six last week. Um, and then, of course, here, you know, Jim's, you know, holding it over uh, Sheriff Duke Perkins about, you know, hey, you know, isn't it interesting that there's this, you know, apocalyptic scenario and we're just <laughs> happen to be stocking up some propane. Coincidence. Wink, wink. And I'll tell you what, those were not your general run of the mill or run of the Chester's mill propane tanks you uh, pick up at Walgreens and hook up to your barbecue on the weekend. Yeah, no. Those are some uh, massive, uh, massive ones. Yes. If you're not careful, propane can be flammable. Just saying. Then there's, outside of the dome, the only person we heard audibly talk, other than like the crowd, right? So Linda goes uh, over to the bridge, uh, and then you can hear the people kind of asking questions, reporters, blah, 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 blah. You know, the only person that physically utters audible tone is rusty right hey i can't hear you but rusty the reporters and then at the end as they kind of pan away the two reporters that were kind of given the newscast that's the only outside of the dome audio we heard in the entire episode i didn't uh pay attention to that as far as that particular fact but you're right and it was really well done that very end scene was one of my favorites not when the pacemaker exploded out of the sheriff's chest but the scene when they panned away and they showed the government and all these lights set up are all around the dome and yep it's kind of a fishbowl we were and we were talking about that on a previous uh podcast uh that the you know how big is chester's mill in the tv show and i think that was really good to establish like how far this dome stretches you know for the uh viewing audience to see and but, but it was really Tons of military just showed up all of a sudden. Lights everywhere around the outside. How fast did they set that up? I thought that was very realistic because I could imagine in most areas of the United States and around the world that if something this inexplicable were to happen, that we'd be able to roll out all sorts of things in a pretty big hurry. So the fun things about the episode, the, they pulled out the map of Chester's Mill on the on the hood of the car and it looked very similar like oh wilmington north carolina a little bit just the shape shape of it i don't know if that was coincidence or that's the only map they had when they They just picked up one at the local five and dime exactly uh and then things i didn't like about the episode um two things well Uh the the second thing wasn't really a, a big thing to me because i read the book and i have a way to explain myself out of not liking what it was but linda shows up and and Neil from Bowie actually wrote this in too. He had the same comment. But so he's, Linda, Neil's a mind reader. I think so. I think so. Maybe we have uh, seizures while we're sleeping and we're communicating together. But uh, Linda shows up to that uh, you know side of the dome by the bridge. She's got nothing to write on. She's got all these people with cameras and reporters, and she's just like, "Hey, I can't hear you." I'd be writing like, "Dude, what the heck is going on here?" <laughs> giant cardboard sign or something you know i so wanted her to put her hand up near the dome and it says not penny's boat or something along those lines (laughs) or it just anything handwritten on her hand like that would have just but that's a great point it's widmore's fault or you know even if she had like you know pulled out her iphone or or ipad mini or something typed a message on it and held it up 
anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's present day, it seems. You know, in the book, it was present day. It was 2009, 2012-ish in that range. So, yeah, I mean, don't you got something on there that you could type out a message and just hold it up there for the at least the cameras to see and get some information out? Anything. So, I thought that was a little uh, a little bit lame. And then uh, when Carolyn and Alice and Nori are driving in the car, you know, they just tune the radio and there's, you know, the, you assume they would dial the radio that they would actually like find some static and they, oh, there's nothing on. And then, then they would finally land on the radio station. But like I said, we'll talk about that in the in the dome section because I, I could talk my way out of that one. Oh, okay. it just seemed it just seemed convenient that they push the button and oh, it's the only station that's on. I'm interested in hearing this explanation later on in the show. <laughs> what about you? Likes, dislikes? Uh, I've been kind of rolling along. A lot of those things I really liked. I thought the the acting was really well done. It was very tense throughout the entire episode. The, the cinematography. I liked just about everything. And the only two things that I didn't really like. One, like I talked about earlier, Junior. I just don't like this guy. And not just because I read the book, but... Even on the TV show, he, he's not likable. He's annoying, and hopefully something happens to him really soon. I don't know. But And the other thing isn't really the show itself. It just seemed to me like there was far more television commercials during Under the Dome than on most television shows I watch. It just seemed like there was a ton of them. And almost every single one, instead of a wide variety of things like from pet food to restaurants to clothing to phones almost every commercial at least seemed to be for other movies or other tv shows except for the the two commercials for stephen king's new book but it just seemed like i was watching trailers for tv shows and movies and that's not the not a knock on under the dome because the show itself awesome i think i'm going to dvr it and start watching about 20 minutes in so i can skip all those commercials next time what i what i want to know is right after the show ended either east coast or west coast how many people ran out to denny's and had just pancakes or steak or steak but yeah denny's mentioned like twice oh that's uh, right yeah the little shout outs like their uh product placement yeah big gems like you know i'd rather i'd eat your waffles any day you know and that's then right. later on um angie and joe are like mom's at denny's today and that's denny's is in out of town <laughs> right Good catch, so. good catch. So we're looking forward to episode two. It, we waited so long for episode one, and all of a sudden we're just days away from episode two of Under the Dome. So that's going to be really cool. And, of course, it, they even showed it in the episode uh, this past week that they're using the official hashtag on Twitter. And now, you know, you can use it on Google Plus and uh, Facebook and even uh, on Vine and some other networks as well. Hashtag Under the Dome. I haven't seen them put out actual you know, episode title hashtags yet, but they could just keep your eye on your screen. And so if you're posting in social media, use those hashtags. And if you want to throw in a hashtag and talk about under the dome radio, just use hashtag UTDR. And of course, all of you fans, we just love the fans. Fans are awesome. 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 We are now a top five TV and film podcast and iTunes as of this recording. That and we couldn't have done it without all of the pound dome heads, dome heads, domies, all everybody in the under the dome radio listening community and uh, members on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. We thank you. I, I could not believe it uh, when you and Hank Davis told me about the show being up in the top 10 and made it all the way to number five on iTunes. Humbled, 
stunned. Thank you. I think that kind of sums it all up. So with that, we're going to go into the broadcasts part of the show. I want to thank a few uh, folks who have played our promos on their podcasts this past week. And if you have your own podcast or even radio show, television show, anything you got, if you want to play one of our promos, just go to underthedomeradio.com. There's two of our first posts. So it's down near the bottom. Feel free to play those anywhere, anytime, all the time. We'll thank you in advance. But this past week, uh, our promos were played on Scott and Miles' Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We love the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Also, Rick and Amy Moyer at TakeHimWithYou.com on their Take Him With You podcast. Also played one of the promos, Alan Joyce on the Tales from the Mouse House. And Alan Middleton from the Book Guys podcast. Thank you, everybody, for uh, chatting up the show and playing our promos. We greatly appreciate it. And again, if someone else, if you played it and we didn't know about it or forgot to mention you, we apologize and just let us know. We'll fix that next time around. Right, Troy? Absolutely. And we also want to say a big thank you to all of those who have left reviews for Under the Dome and iTunes this week. We got a couple new ratings, uh, I think two new actual reviews. Uh, definitely helpful. Obviously, we're top five podcast. So definitely we want to see number one after this episode airs. So leave a awesome. review. Yeah, wouldn't it? It's almost <laughs> surreal. Maybe we could slip them a C note. We could get there. <laughs> that would be just wrong. It would. So unless my name was Big Jim. So go to underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes and uh, just go from there. If you'd be so kind to take a few minutes and let us know how much you like the show. Give us a rating, a little review. We greatly appreciate it. And, and don't forget to subscribe. Oh, absolutely. It's totally free. And by subscribing, you get each new episode of Under the Dome Radio right when it comes out, delivered right to however it is you're subscribing to it, whether it's on your smartphone in one of the podcasts apps or through iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, any and all of those places. Um, now, with Under the Dome finally airing, there's people that have a lot of thoughts and theories and things to say about the show. So let's head on over and at the tower, we have some thoughts and theories to play for you. Hi, Troy. Hi, Wayne. This is Loreen Romero from Windsor, California, with my first thoughts of the very first Under the Dome. Words that come to my mind are suspenseful, shocking, very Stephen King-like from the moment of the opening scene with the crow and the dark feeling. Love, love, love the steak tartare scene. I would like to have mine seared and thin, please. Love the character build-up. Now I have to go back and listen to your past episode where you have character development. Thank you again, you two, for doing Under the Dome radio podcast. Looking forward to hearing your view on the first episode. Thanks so much, and hello from Windsor, California. Bye-bye. Hey, Wayne and Troy, this is Hank Davis, fellow podcaster and author of the ebook uphill entrepreneur sending you some feedback for the under the dome radio podcast i love the conspiracy talk right off the bat from the nosy neighbor and then the comment later in the show about it couldn't be made by the government because it works um, i can't stand the junior character because he is just on creep factor 10 out of 10 and uh, i was just instantly turned off to his character from his opening scene so when he laid out his little trail of I'm the only one that really knows what's going on. You'll see. I didn't bite at all because I just can't stand the character and he'll be uh, fast forward material. 
Barbie and Julia. Who didn't see that coming? Uh, that's uh, writing 101. And does anybody else notice the Sawyer-esque feel that you get from Barbie? <laughs> Sawyer from Lost loved the sudden ending. It felt like we we're going to get an immediate answer. And then, nope, you don't get it. I love that. That was great. And then uh, I will leave you with this. Please tell me that at some point, someone will attempt to dig underneath the dome. As soon as the show was announced, it's the first thing I thought of was, wow, couldn't you dig underneath it or at least see how deep it goes into the ground? If they don't do that, then it's going to be a fail for me because that would be something I would assume anyone would think of. Love the podcast, guys. Keep up the great work. Hank and Loreen, thank you so much for sending in your audio feedback. We really appreciate it. And Hank, just real quickly, they're going to check to see how deep the dome goes. We won't they go much to. further than that, right? They have to. Great comments there. I forgot. Loreen reminded me about that really creepy crow right at the beginning of the episode. And the baby bird digging its way out of the dome, cracking out and escaping. So obviously they're going to shoot off some giant rocket to get out through the hole in the top. Yeah, that'll work. (laughs) (laughs) And Lorene theory and I'm sticking to it. And Lorene, if you, you've heard her name before, she's one of our first dome head photograph submissions. Uh, You can see that on the website and I've got another one uh, from listener Jim that I'm going to be posting in the next day or two when I get a chance to log in and do that after I get the episode out. So check out people with their interpretations of what it's like to be, under the dome and uh yeah and hank's got his new ebook that just came out on amazon the uphill entrepreneur i just downloaded that the other day and have started reading it uh, interesting story some of the things you may not know about hank and wow what a voice man he sounds great he's awesome he does a great podcast called uh, mellows nfl weekly so of course uh for us being packers fans we listen to the nfl weekly show and it is quite humorous and we thank hank for putting that on yeah, between his NFL fan podcast, and where him and his uh, co-host Mello talk about all of the NFL, and then I've got the Packers fan podcast, I think we pretty much have the NFL covered, and we're counting down to football season. It's the only team there is that you need to worry about. Hey, guys. This is Rochelle calling you from under the dome. Sorry if the signal is a little spotty. Um, you know how that dome is with the um, signal, so... I just wanted to tell you, reviewed the Under the Dome pilot episode tonight at Hell's Kitchen in Wilmywood, Under the Dome, and let me tell you, that episode made the entire place go quiet. Um, it was amazing. We were joined with uh, Colin Ford um, and a bunch of other domies and dome heads. It was amazing. It was true. Stephen King and the directors, um, just it was just amazing. And we will learn more and put more pieces together as the weeks go by. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. And, again, this is Rochelle calling you from Under the Dome, um, your Twitter friend, Living Salty. And um, just wanted to give a shout-out to all my domies who are listening to your podcast and with um, getting the word out um, to everybody. Your show, because it is wonderful. So hope everybody had a wonderful Dome Day and we'll speak under the Dome. Bye. 
Hey, Troy and Wayne, Steve here from The Voice of Steve. Got some thoughts about the pilot episode of Under the Dome. Now, real quick, I've been trying to listen to the book, though in 15 to 20 minute chunks to and from work and soccer and stuff like that. I also had to turn it down from time to time and leave it off entirely when the kiddos were in tow. And I did make it about halfway through, but I wasn't able to finish it before the series started. Raz and Fraz and Library, Rizm, Razm, someone else had it on hold. Thought the show was great. I love that it seemed to go by quick, which means I didn't get bored with what was going on, so the pacing was right up my alley. There was only one thing that kind of bugged me. Now keep in mind, I've never done the book-to-show movie thing like this before, so when I watched the first episode of the show, and thinking back to what I knew from the book, I found myself repeatedly going, huh? What was that? What the hoo-ha? I had the confused dog look on my face more so than usual. I kept telling myself that this is an adaptation of what I read, not a literal interpretation, but some of the changes, at least so far, seem to affect the characters so much, it's kind of knocking my nose out of joint. Barbie's not the chef, Julia's married, Rusty's a fireman outside the dome, stuff like that. Hopefully that stuff won't bug me the further we get into things here. One positive I'll take from that, though, is that I don't feel horrible about not being able to finish the book, which I plan to do. Maybe I'll even get the actual book and read the words like you're a posta. Looking forward to the rest of the series, and as long as you promise to keep the math out of it, listening to further episodes of Under the Dome Radio. Excelsior! Interesting. <laughs> I love the voice of Steve. Steve, thank you so much. So, I'm, just, I'm just I'm sitting there going like, I can't talk. I'm just so mesmerized by the way he you know, projects. I, I could listen to, to Steve all day. That was great stuff. And his uh, saga of listening to the audiobook, or at least trying to, but the library is interfering. And so great to hear from uh, Rochelle. Rochelle is fantastic. She's actually what they're calling themselves domies, are the people that were extras in the show. So you can actually see Rochelle on IMDb credited as a nurse. On so, Under the Dome. And she sent us a great picture, too. She actually took a picture with Colin Ford, uh, Mr. Joe from the show, and uh, she sent that in, so we'll definitely get that up on the Domehead page so you all you ladies can get your Mr. Colin Ford fix. <laughs> and we'll definitely have a link to Rochelle's IMDB uh, database link there. Uh, Live and Salty on Twitter, and so we greatly appreciate hearing from both of them. Great Steve thoughts. had a really good Yeah, Steve had a really good point, though, because as I was watching the show obviously we read the book i was really like oh that's cool oh that's different oh that's neat and i actually really like the changes um especially the big twist at the end with uh julia and barbie so i actually i think i implored uh, I, I really like the changes i think it'll be very interesting to keep the show going a little bit more long term than what the book did so you know good points that steve caught he's like huh what and every time he, oh they did that oh that was awesome okay that's great and oh that's different and but I, I really liked it i think it was good i'm gonna agree with both of you on on that and this isn't a spoilery thing because these are just minor things but i i've noticed on some of the places where people are really diehard fanatics about the book they are up in arms over some of these minute little differences and they're like ah, everything's ruined like have you ever seen a book turned into a TV show or a movie that hasn't had major changes? I mean, look at what happened when uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick was turned into Blade Runner. I mean, that is very loosely based on a very small portion of the book. 
I, I just think it's funny how up in arms some people are. But with that being said, it's all good. And now we got a little call here from Rick and Amy Moyer at Take Him With You. Hey there, Wayne and Troy. This is Rick Moyer and my wife, Amy. Hi, guys. We just wanted to let you know that we just got done watching the uh, Under the Dome first episode. And my wife is actually more excited to watch it than I was. Uh, but uh, I, I was excited just because I've been listening to your podcast. But, uh, yeah, pretty trippy show. I'm wondering what's going to happen. Do you think it's a government conspiracy, Amy? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not going to have any hypotheses quite yet. Okay. What was your favorite part, would you say? Um, I'm not sure if I have a favorite part yet. I just think it's kind of interesting getting to know the characters. Whacked out boyfriend is kind of creepy. Very creepy. I like the the stranger, even though he's a murderer. I think. Well, we think. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. It sounds like he got into some kind of trouble with the doctor. Yeah. But it, what was the doctor doing in some kind of shady deal or something? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, we're gonna run out of time now, okay. so I better go. But we, I got confused and thought that the deputy lady was the one from Eureka, but she wasn't. But we know the the sheriff guy. With the pacemakers from Lost, so that's cool. He was the pilot in Lost. Okay. Anyway, we like it. We're going to keep watching. Should be awesome. Thanks, guys, for your podcast. And uh, that's, I'm a dome head. Hello, Wayne and Troy. This is Scott calling from Media, Pennsylvania, which is near Philadelphia, if you're wondering. Calling for Under the Dome Radio podcast. Well, the premiere was pretty interesting, I think. Uh, the effects were obviously very good. Um, the cow getting cut in half and, and such. Be interesting to see, you know, of course, eventually where the dome came from. The uh, lots of nice, interesting drama there with the uh, guy who turns out he killed the porter's husband and the, uh, the psycho junior there. I can't help thinking, though, every... T- all the time when it comes to Under the Dome about, you know, the Simpsons movie, which came first? Do you have any idea? I keep keep thinking of that all the time. But this looks like, anyway, to be a very interesting show. I like the characters and um, definitely looking forward to the next episode. And I hope that they show someone trying to get under it. That would be pretty interesting. Uh, You guys are doing a good job, and I look forward to the podcast and the TV show. So uh, take care, and until next time, go Patriots. Bye. Uh, Scott, what what'd you just say? <laughs> Patriots? Oh, I won't even edit that out because, I, as you've probably heard on the Packers Fan Podcast, I have a new most hated team, and it's not even the Patriots. So I'm going to let you slide on that one this time, Scott. Scott, Rick, and Amy, thank you for your calls. What do you think, Troy? Another digger. A lot of people want to play in the dirt. I, I don't know what that's all about. I would, I, I would try. I, I, I'm sticking with my rocket ship idea. I think I'm, it, sh- I'm shooting out the top. I'm, digging just takes too long. Too much heavy equipment. Too much energy wasted. Just, just blow the propane tanks. Blow me out the hole on the top. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with the the listeners that are curious about, uh, you know, how deep does the dome go? And I'm sure it's got to be addressed. And like you said, it would be a lot of energy to get out, but. We'll see. And I, it's always good to hear from all these listeners, even when they're rooting for the wrong football team. But uh, a great point there about the uh, I've heard a lot of other people talking about the Simpsons movie. It's like, well, 
I, as far as which came first, I since you mentioned on the last episode, Troy, that Stephen the King dome, has the been, dome came first. The yes. dome came first because it was the cannibals and the apartment building back in whatever it was, seventies or eighties. Right, like you talked yeah. about on episode three of Under the Dome Radio, the podcast. Just go to underthedomeradio.com/slash/three, and yeah, since there's been so many incarnations of the story running around in Steve's head, we're going to give Stephen King uh, first dibs on that. I do want to put an end to the Simpsons conversation, though, so I will be trying to find a copy of the Simpsons movie and watching it either in the next week or two. Don't do it. I just want to see what comparisons I can make from it because I'm so tired of seeing it on Twitter. So we're going to have to hear about it one more time. I didn't say I was going to talk about it. I just want to watch it. Just Oh, okay. <laughs> just making sure. And Rick and Amy and Scott both brought up the uh, same thing, how they're at least making it look like Bobby killed Shumway's husband that he was burying at the beginning. But I think they're trying to mislead us. I think so too. I think it was very much a, he came in and was trying to negotiate some kind of deal. And then some other person got in the way and misfirings happened. And I think because of his military background, which we know from the press release and some other conversations that, you know, I think he wanted to hide it the body just because he didn't want to deal with you know losing his military rank or something i'm gonna go with that theory at first i was thinking hey found this guy on the side of the road just wanted to do the proper thing and bury him and 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 you know people were saying oh he's a bad guy he's got a gun in the car he's gonna shoot the cops and maybe it's more like the guy that was the person that interfered maybe he was a cop and maybe it was the same guy and he recognized the vehicle and he was just doing it for protection I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of these scenes like they used to do on Lost. If they show us the same scene from a different angle, like panned back or something, we may learn things totally different than what we're assuming right now. That'd be so. a very great storytelling technique for the show. So I'd, I'd be all about that. We're going to have to wait at least one more episode to find out. Hey, Troy and Wayne, this is Alex Cruz from Tiger Prince Entertainment. And I just want to kind of put my own two cents in the first episode of Under the Dome. And one thing that that I want you to know is I'm coming into this without having read the book. And I can really understand how people could say that they totally slaughtered this story if you have read the book. But I'm going into it with a fresh perspective. And I find it interesting that most of the male characters in this have some type of weird secret. For example, at the very beginning, Barbie is hiding uh, is hiding a body. Okay, and you know what? I know that this is probably most likely from a military type hush hush thing. But my first impression was. He must be working for the mafia, but uh, again, most likely it could be some secret CIA type thing. Um, and um, what a really good plot twist that it was actually uh, Julia's husband <laughs> that that uh, that he ended up uh, burying in a, a little tiny hole. And uh, another uh, another one was uh, uh, the police officer played by uh, Jeff Fahey's character, Duke. 
and this has to do with he knows why they're hiding all of these propane tanks and what are they going to do with them and big jim you know what he's iffy too he's hiding something and then last but not least we have junior what a pathetic piece of garbage this kid is so again i really enjoyed the episode and i couldn't really tear it apart at all simply because i didn't uh read the original book and so this is not my uh usual alex cruz uh rant that i usually go on on our podcast so uh good job on the previous episodes can't wait to hear the next one and again uh This is Alex Cruz from Tiger Prince Entertainment. Make sure everyone listens to our Falling Skies podcast. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Hey, Wayne. It's Aaron uh, Peterson with the Hollywood Outsider podcast. Just wanted to call and say great show. Love what you guys are doing. Uh, Keep it up, especially getting ahead of all the other, you know, multitude of lesser podcasts that are going on out there. Really like how you approached it. Um, And the show is great so far. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. We'll see how it fans out. Good job, guys. Aaron and Alex, thank you so much for calling in your listener feedback. Great to hear from you. Aaron does the Hollywood Outsider podcast, and thank you very much for your very kind words. And Alex Cruz, you've heard him on the Tiger Prince Entertainment uh, podcast with the Falling Skies. And uh, what's the other one called? Revolution? Yeah, I think they're doing Revolution. Revolution, that's right. I, I, I always think of the roller coaster at Magic Mountain here in California, but... Great to hear from you. And Alex brought up some uh, some great stuff. And you you got to hear Alex with some things that he says on his Falling Skies podcast. He thinks he may have possibly slightly offended one of the co-stars of Falling Skies. You'll, you'll have to listen to their podcast to hear how that all comes out. And later on, I have to remember to sing Alex uh, happy birthday. Send him greetings. I can't sing, so I'll just say happy birthday. But uh, great point, Alex, about how... So far, everybody on Under the Dome has some sort of weird secret in their past. Is it like a, a daddy issue, maybe? It, it, it Do you reminds, see that kind of similarity? I don't know about the daddy issues, but it reminded me, like, everything reminds me of Lost in one way or another. But it's that same kind of mechanism, right? Everybody had like a daddy issue on Lost, so mm-hmm. now everybody's got a secret on the Dome. Mm-hmm. So Weird, creepy stuff, and uh, I don't know what that... Uh, neighbor lady who's like mrs kravitz back in the 60s who's like i wanted to tell you about these propane tanks but if you put it in the newspaper you didn't hear from me uh-uh. <laughs> leave my name out of it and alex so far has the best description of junior to date what a pathetic piece of garbage this guy was oh alex thank you so much wayne and- troy doug in atlanta with Consider This Podcasting at ctpodcasting.com. The pilot episode of Under the Dome, well, it had to do a lot of things, especially for someone like me who hasn't read the book. It had to set up the premise. It had to introduce us to an ensemble cast, some of whom, it appears, aren't going to last very long. Uh, It had to give us a sense of their personalities. It had to set up a bunch of subplots. Uh, It had to cut a cow in half. It wasn't going to be an episode with a lot of bang. Those come when you pay off some of the subplots that you set up earlier, and this by definition was a setup episode. Still, they did manage to get something out of it when they reveal near the end that Junior Psycho is Big Jim's son, and that Peter Shumway 
was who Barbie was burying in the opening scene. Now, speaking of Peter, do either of you remember the sitcom ALF from the 80s? Basically, a Muppet crash lands on Earth, he's taken in by a suburban family, and hilarity ensues as they try to keep him secret from everyone else. Now, they called him ALF for short, uh, alien life form, but his given name on his home planet of Melmac was Gordon Shumway. I wonder if they're related. And could this hint at an alien cause behind the dome? That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it like a cow on a dome. I, I gotta go now. I have this urge for a side of beef. Side of beef. It's never gonna be the same ever again. <laughs> no. I'll never eat steak the same way. Although, interesting point, I did not see any cats in Julia's uh, house. So there might be something there. You never know. I'd like to get uh, a 16-ounce uh, steak on the half dome. <laughs> Great to hear from Doug. And I like, <laughs> I when as soon as I heard the character's last name was Shumway, I thought the same thing. Alf. Oh, that hairy, hairy beast, I tell I, you. <laughs> I loved that show. It was great. Gordon Shumway. So I don't know if that's like a little uh, shout out or something that might lead us astray to thinking <laughs> he thinks aliens are involved and other people think government conspiracy. And I'm wondering, you know, could be different from the book. Maybe there's going to be more than one dome. I think it's just a, a bunch of giants. and They dropped a contact lens. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's a you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Make I note it. I, that's the finale. It's over. If if that's the finale, refer back to episode four of Under the Dome Radio. Troy Heinrichs gets full credit on that one. <laughs> and we've got two more pieces of uh, listener voicemail. One is kind of spoilery, so we're going to save that one for our in the dome section a little later on. But first, let's go ahead and hear from Jer Bear. Hey guys, uh, I just got this app. And I just wanted to send a feedback to your podcast. And uh, I saw the pilot of Under the Dome. And I gotta say, she fell well. Sorry. Uh, the pilot on the plane that hit the dome. In any event, uh, love, uh, love the podcast. Uh, hope you guys do well at it. And Wayne, I... Uh, I remember uh, listening to you from the uh, Fringe podcast, so I was happy that you're doing this podcast. So uh, you guys take care. I'm looking forward to your shows, uh, your upcoming shows, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. Uh, take care. Jer Bear from Ontario. Jer Bear in the IE calling into Under the Dome Radio. Thank you so much for your call, and thanks for listening ever since the Fringe Casting Fringe podcast uh, with Wayne and Dan, and a very... Good description of the pilot. She fell well. I, I thought he was talking about the dome. I was like, you're giving the dome a gender already? Come on. No, the pilot the, or whoever, whether she was a passenger or a pilot, whoever belongs Mrs. to the purse. Yeah, she Mrs. Fell. Sanders. Mrs. Sanders. Mrs. Sanders. She fell well. She fell well. <laughs> well, also got um, a little message through uh, Google Plus from Justine, who is watching Under the Dome in Poland. And it was so great to hear from her. She just briefly said the premiere was 
pretty spectacular in her opinion. I haven't read the book, so I didn't know what to expect. The collection of propane tanks coupled with the shady sales car guy seems more ominous to me than the actual dome. Though the episode as a whole kept me on my edge, surprised me too a couple of times, and the creepiness factor is maxed out around the college dropout who abducted, can't, I can't talk on a podcast, that's not good, abducted his girlfriend. I felt from the very beginning that something is not right with his head. <laughs> that's an understatement, Justine. Can't wait for next week. P.S. 8 out of 10 not-so-happy cows. Yeah, definitely not happy. And imagine what those cows' friends are feeling right now. I think they're fine. I, I, <laughs> they're probably like, "Oh my gosh, I'm glad we didn't end up like them." And then, like five days later, oh, we're going to the slaughterhouse anyway. So maybe it would have been better to die sooner. Who knows? But it looked like they all stayed on the inside of the dome, from what I could tell. So at least we aren't going to starve to death. That's a good thing. <laughs> I was concerned, and now I feel a lot better. So, everybody, thank you so much for your listener feedback. Voicemails are the way to go. You can call 904-469-7469 or go to underthedomeradio.com and use that widget on the site there. And you can go ahead and leave it. We want to hear your voice on the next episode because, kind of to paraphrase Jack from Lost, he would have said something similar to Sherrod. We're all in this together. Big Jim Rennie. He just delivered that so creepily. <laughs> I know. We're all in this together. It reminded me of uh, Jack with his live together die alone until Rose said, if you say that one more time, she's going to punch him in the face. But one more time, just for clarity. So we'll be ready with Big Jim when he's periodically, I'm sure, going to share this line. One more time, Big Jim. We're all in this together. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> so with that, let's go in the dome. This is the part, again, where we're going to talk about things that might be tied to the book, might be different from the book, might be spoilery. So if you want to be spoiler-free, go ahead and uh, skip ahead, you know, five, ten minutes, or join us on the next episode of the podcast, because since things are different, even the ending of the book is going to be different on the TV show. So even if you know the ending, it may not be a spoiler. So, Troy, we're now in the dome. So I'm going to start with Sarah Green. Sarah Green... Uh, emailed in some really great points. So I'm going to go point counterpoint. Okay. I am ready. I've got throwing some additional. I got my pen and paper. I got to take notes. I'm ready. Okay. So she said that Julia seems younger than she is in the book. And it also sounds like she's a newcomer to the town and she's married. So yes, in the book, definitely not married. She actually lives alone. She inherited the family business. So in the book, she's definitely um, you know, been in the town a while because she actually approaches Miss Grinnell. So we're, we'll talk about Mrs. Grinnell uh, a little bit here. So Andrea Grinnell in the book is the third in charge, third councilman, if you will. There's Mr. Sanders, uh, Mrs. Sanders' husband is Andy Sanders. He is the first councilman. Big Jim's the second and Andrew Gunnell's the third. The, but, the lady that called uh, Ms. Shumway about the propane tanks? Exactly. And then the way she talks to her in the TV show definitely appears like she doesn't know who Grinnell is or Grinnell's not one of the councilmen or women. That's kind of what it seemed like on the TV show. Just She just seemed like a nosy neighbor. But please continue. But again, uh, in the, I thought that she's about the same age. I thought she was about this age in the book myself. So I don't think she's any younger or older. 
Um, yeah, she's married, and that was a great twist. I mean, we didn't talk about the twist at the top of the show because everybody's talking about the twist, but the <laughs> twist was delivered so well, I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, oh, what? Did that just happen? That's awesome. <laughs> that, that, that just got me hooked for the next week, for sure, because I just have to see where that goes. When you say the twist, you mean finding out that it was uh, Miss Shumway's husband. That's in the body bag. That's in the body bag. Okay, yeah, that was really cool because you would have thought I'd pick up on something like that, but nope, not until they revealed it. Uh, so they did a nice job there. Well, because if you're book readers, you're not expecting it to be anybody in the ground that you know, right? And then it, they throw that twist at the end, and it's like, oh, what does Brian, Vaughn, and Neil have in store for us for this show? I'm, I'm in. Yeah, because in, in the book, I, I don't recall Barbie burying anybody. And then she, we already referenced that the paper is the independent in the book. It's called The Democrat. So if I remember correctly from the book, she was actually born to Democratic, Democratic Party parents and grandparents. But then she herself was a Republican in the book. So now that she's working for the independent, does that is she still Republican? Does that change her political view? and how she views the state of the council men and women in town. I'm not sure that'll come into it, but it, it could change her character a little bit in the TV show. Oh, okay. I have a feeling it's one of the things that isn't going to matter. So in the book, she says that Barbie had a clear sense of right and wrong, that you knew that he was a good guy from page one, even when the book got, um, you know, kind of crazy in the middle and whatever. Um, and then you find out, of course, of the twist. Uh, I'm going to say that you don't know everything yet. I'm going back to the, he could be military. He was just trying to make sure that stuff wasn't, you know, maybe, maybe he's like secret service or FBI or CIA or something. You know, I, I thought initially he's a fixer, like a mob person and that he did do the killing. But the more and more I thought about it, I think he's just trying to, you know, protect something. I just don't know what it is yet. So I think he's still the good guy, the hero and big Jim's the bad guy. Like the book has him played it out to be. What say you? I'm going to agree 100%. I mean, so far, you know, we've only seen one episode, one pretty spectacular episode. I've already watched it twice, and I'm definitely going to watch it again before episode two. But so far, they're just kind of giving us a few ideas that uh, Jim Rennie may be a little bad. <laughs> they're just getting us started. And so far, we, we, we're spot on with our assumption that they're going to do one calendar day per episode. So we had day, we had night, the first day. Um, and But when Joe runs out to Barbie at the Dome just before the plane crash, it's actually a, a child by the name of Ollie Dinsmore in the book. So the question that Sarah had was, does this mean there's no Ollie in the TV show? And my response to that is, if you got on the radio when Linda and Duke were at the Dome, there were two other roads that led out of town with two other incidents so it wouldn't behoove me to think that Ollie might be at one of those other incidents and we'll see Ollie later in the show. Oh, okay. Because we haven't seen people like Ollie. We haven't seen Andy Sanders. We have, well, we did see Andrea Grinnell, but we're not sure. And we also haven't seen um, this guy, Peter Randolph, who's pretty big in the book because, as you know, Duke Perkins dies. So someone has to be a new chief. So there's, a, there's much more police force that already are around so we have to figure out, you know, who's going to be the new chief. And I think Randolph right. will be making an appearance probably in the second episode. Well, and there's no that's way that, my hunch. that's an excellent hunch because there's no way they're going to introduce every character in the pilot episode, especially the Under the Dome novel, the mega novel. There's there's like a hundred different characters 
Yeah, it was like page page eight hundred or nine hundred. Um, no, that's too far in the book. Sorry, screen eight hundred out of three thousand. I read it on the iPhone. Screen eight hundred of nine of uh, eight hundred of three thousand, where they introduced some out of towners, the Carolyn Sturgis and and um, Thurston. So even that late in the book, they were introducing new characters in the book. So it doesn't surprise me we haven't met everybody just yet. So hang tight. I'm sure they'll be there. Absolutely. Any she other doesn't spoilery things. Well, she doesn't like the fact that Angie and Joe are brother and sister and that Nori's an outsider. And I, I kind of agree with her, but Angie, you know, in the, in the book dies like in the first couple pages. So I'm kind of interested to see how long Angie gets tortured, how Angie escapes. If Angie, you know, does something to bring junior down. So I like that change myself, um, that her and Joe are brother, sister, and it doesn't really matter. I could care less. But Nori being the outsider does kind of change my perspective uh, when uh, she's um, she's really tied to Joe in the book and his other friend, Benny, who he does meet actually at the bridge during that kind of party bonfire. In that the episode. was that was weird. Yeah, it was like an end of the days kind of, you know, but major. I, but the way people are these days, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened the first day after a dome happens. Let's oh, party, not? man happens on the second day in the book with the whole town just they have bad hot dogs instead of you know <laughs> whatever they were doing at the rager rave party on the bridge or whatever but yeah so we met benny benny was there when um joe had a seizure so benny and joe are definitely in cahoots i think for the long haul like the book and i think they find nori later on because obviously they're trapped under the dome and i think nori and joe will come together and have some kind of relationship just my two cents um you know I think that, uh, you know, uh, I'm just kind of checking here. Just as uh, Big Jim was well cast, seems to be true to how he's written. Totally agree. Um, interesting that it's Dean Norris. So if you know what happens in the book and what the uh, propane operation is all about um, and tie that back to other works that Dean Norris is involved with, um, I think that was an interesting parallelism, if you will, uh, for one of his bigger shows that he's on uh, Linda Rusty. We already talked about uh, in their marriage and they actually have two children who have seizures in the book. So they're, we think they're not married and they obviously do not have kids. So we have to figure out if the seizures are only at the teenage level or if they're going to be a little bit higher or if the adults will start having seizures at some point, depending on where in the dome they are, they might have different effects. Yeah. Cause it's kind of interesting. Why would it be, mostly teenagers that would be and you know preteens or whatever that would be subject to having these seizures why not even younger kids or elderly or why i don't think we saw any young children we didn't see like five six or under well not children yet or, in that pilot episode but we might but either I mean, way it, it it's probably again one of those things that won't matter in the long run it's all about the characters and of course, she doesn't like the change that the dome being silent is going to make it much more difficult because in the in the book, you can talk through the dome uh, to people as well as pass air. So, of course, that goes back to the earlier, you know, with the CO2, if the sound waves can travel through air and there's no sound, is there any, you know, oxygen? And if there's no oxygen, if you know what happens at the end of the book, then there's no big boom. So because there's no oxygen for fire to burn. So we'll have to figure out how that's going to play out. Now, in Stephen King's novel, it seemed like air could partially get through. It was like a limited amount. Right. 
and the air right. just started getting bad. But so far, in, until they explain it, and I'm sure they will on episode two or three, uh, I have a feeling they're going to go the same way with the book and that just say that a little bit of air can get through. So now we're going to go to back to the radio station and why I think that this is going to be interesting. And they were dialing in on the radio and why they were able to find it right away. Yes, I'm ready to hear your technical explanation of why. In the book, the radio station is actually a Christian radio station. And Big Jim made sure that he put down more than a few C notes that it was like a megawatt superpower gigantic transmission signal. So any station you tuned on the dial after the dome dropped was the Christian radio station in the book. So because of that, I think same principle applies. The dome was down. So even if they were to scan through and get static, they wouldn't actually find static. They could only get um, the mills, you know, true home of rock, whatever frequency they put in. Yeah. I didn't happen to catch what their frequency was. 1067 rock. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting that they changed it. But, you know, it makes sense. You know, for the TV show, let's not try to make Big Jim quite so hypocritical and, and off the edge, at least yet. But uh, well, in the station, I think, is a character in the book in, in, in some regard, right? Because they refer to it quite a lot. And, of course, they're always tuning in the radio and they keep hearing, you know, Hallelujah Chorus and all these other Christian um, songs and hymns and what have you. So I, it was interesting that they focused on Phil and Dodie kind of tuning in the outside. So I think the radio station is going to become the broadcast mechanism to the outside world. Oh, okay. And as Dodie in the book dies right after, you know, Angie does. Uh, so, um, and Dodie is actually Dodie Sanders, who is Andy Sanders and Mrs. Sanders daughter. And she like freaks out because her mom's dead from the plane crash. So we'll have to see if she is truly a Sanders or if she's just Dodie, somebody else. We'll have to, see how that plays out that's very true that's very true and this may like you said may have been set in 2009 i don't know if they've updated it much further for the tv show maybe they've even gone back a ways i don't remember seeing iphones or that sort of tech at least yet though the radio station seemed fairly modern inside and the cars seemed a little bit on the older side too kind of like on on once upon a time in storybrook where you know everything seemed to be from the late 80s early 90s maybe it's a small town thing small town just has older stuff (laughs) more seasoned or maybe you're only allowed to live in chester's mill if you buy a used car from big jim renning's car lot this is very true we're gonna have to see but if it was totally modern they would be tuning into stitcher radio and listening to the under the dome radio podcast on stitcher radio so i think that covers (laughs) most of the book comparisons for this episode there'll definitely be some more i think coming up more next week when we get to see some more of characters and see if the characters play the way the book goes or if it's a completely new situation Um, but i know that we had um super dome head who ordered both a coffee mug and a shirt mr jim from nebraska i think he had some comments did he not wayne hello wayne and troy Just a few minutes ago, I finished watching the first episode of Under the Dome and must say that I was quite surprised. Even though it was said that this show was not going to be a, so to speak, video book rehashing of Stephen King's written story, I found that I was quite surprised at just how far afield the show was from the book. Oh, the dome coming down was quite dramatic, but it wasn't surprising at all because we all expected that. 
In short, I think the key to watching this show is forget about the book. The series is only based on the book, but it isn't the book. I am going to put up the spoiler alert at this point. I was quite surprised at the beginning of the show when I saw that Dale Barbara was burying a body. I thought he was going to be the hero of the show, but it would seem that he has a rather large skeleton in his closet. Now, I am not going to say that Barbie killed Dr. Shumway, although it would appear so. It would seem that Barbie isn't the hero he was made out to be in the book, especially when I saw him prepare a weapon when he thought he might be stopped by the police. Big Jim doesn't strike me as the totally slimy character that he was in King's book. Oh, he has a little slime on him at this point, but there is a lot of character development to go. He would appear to be definitely out to look after his own interests, but he also seems to have a little bit of a decent streak in him, or at least I think so. His son, Junior Rennie, so far is just the same as he was in the book, though, just a plain and simple psychopath. I was really saddened to see Police Chief Duke get killed off so early in the series. I really like Jeff Fahey as an actor and was hoping that he would be around for a while. The really bad part, though, was that he died just as he was about to reveal how he was in cahoots with Big Jim on the stockpiling of propane. Some other obvious differences that I have noticed so far is how the radio station is a top 40 station as opposed to the Christian format from the book, and that Big Jim, at least so far, isn't the hypocrite that he was in the book. I am excited about this show and am looking forward to it filling the hole that is going to be left when Defiance finishes its run in a few weeks. Thank goodness that CBS scheduled it in the 9 p.m. time slot so I don't have to worry about missing one of my two favorite shows on Monday night. Well, there it is. This is Kalis. Kapla. I would have loved it if Jim would have read Under the Dome. He just has that smooth, cool sound to his voice. Oh, if he was the uh, voice actor that uh, produced the show, he is pretty dang smooth. Yeah, definitely. So he definitely brought up some spoiler things. I think Jim's reading my mind, or else I'm reading Jim's mind. Maybe we're all having a seizure right now as we listen to this episode, and we're in a different time, place, or dome. We may not actually be podcasting right now. Testing. One, two, three. Is this on? <laughs> it is on. We are recording and then broadcasting at 128 kilobits. So that was good so, stuff, Jim. Thanks for sending that in. Take it away, yeah, Troy. I think it's uh, yeah, a lot of great feedback, a lot of good input. You know, keep it coming. The dome heads are awesome. Um, you know, if, if it wasn't for the dome heads, like Bing Jim always says, you know, we this show would not be what it is today because... We're all in this together. Yeah, exactly. Rim shot. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, we definitely want to um, do some shout outs uh, to the dome heads out there and uh, thank everybody that did buy t-shirts and coffee mugs. We got great pics uh, on Facebook and Twitter of those. So definitely uh, want to say thank you for purchasing all of our swag Oh, absolutely, and help help him promote the show. We we greatly appreciate it. But more importantly, I wanted to make sure we throw out that we have listeners in multiple countries, and we wanted to say thank you to our friends in Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, France, Germany, 
India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Malaysia, Philippines, Poland, Romania, Saudi Arabia, Slovakia, the United Kingdom, and of course, all of you here in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, it's it's amazing what we can do with podcasting. I, I'm so thankful for everybody listening anywhere in the world. It, it just blows me away because back when I was on the air at you know regular radio, you know, kind of very geographically focused, like the radio station on Under the Dome. But uh, with podcasting, worldwide phenomenon. And so this makes me think that uh, Under the Dome is airing in all of these countries. Or people just really like the podcast, even if the show's not airing there. Yeah, so if you're listening in one of those other countries and can let us know when it is airing in your country, that would be helpful. We know that uh, CBS licensed it for 200 countries off the bat. So if uh, you let us know when you're watching, we will definitely make sure we are communicating, interacting, Twitter, Facebook, Google, all that good stuff so that uh, you don't get, you know, we're not just catering to the, the U.S. crew on Monday nights. Oh, absolutely. We are multinational broadcasting around the world. Let us know, like Troy said, let us know when Under the Dome is on there, if they're showing it the same week or if you're way behind or what have you, you know, has the pilot not even aired there yet? Otherwise, you've been totally spoiled by uh, listening to this spoiler episode, especially here at the end. Also, Under the Dome Radio is certainly open for syndication as well as advertising opportunities. Please email me at wayne at mediavoiceovers.com. Thank you in advance because this thing is just, we've got big plans for this podcast. And like Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man would say, we want to take things to the next level. Right, Troy? Absolutely. And with that in mind, we have two new things that we are prepping for this weekend. Uh, one of them is is that, obviously, to keep the show up and running now that we are a top five podcast, we do need a little bit more energy. So uh, donations of propane will be available on the website, hopefully by this weekend. So you can give us a small tank, a medium-sized tank, or a large tank. So just head to underthedomeradio.com and uh, click on which tank you'd like to send our way uh we'd greatly appreciate it as it helps keep us broadcasting from chester's mill yeah it's kind of like sponsoring um the propane because i i I think it's illegal to actually ship propane yeah yeah (laughs) and definitely not four or six times a week absolutely not to my house The trucks pulling up my neighbors would be calling the local paper but we thank you for sponsoring uh the show with the uh, propane tanks what else is new troy uh, on Monday, Monday morning in the feed, uh, as you're listening to this, so that would be Monday, July 1st, we will have a hopefully special edition of Under the Dome Radio. Yeah, we can't say too much. There is a character in the episode Maybe. on Monday night that we think will be coming out that you have not met yet. So if the uh, pink stars align and do not fall, then uh, we will be recording that over the weekend and Maybe. have that in the feed for you Monday morning. Can't say too much. Can't say too much. It's a surprise. Plus, what we're going to try to do, at, le- at least this week, is an experiment. Uh, we're going to try to get together and record a quick initial thoughts episode together. Because I know um, you did a YouTube video, which was great, with your initial thoughts. And I put out an audio boo, and we both linked to it on Twitter and Facebook, with our quick initial thoughts. But we're going to try uh, getting on the internets after watching the show Monday night and recording some quick initial thoughts. And... Uh, asking for more of your fabulous feedback for the big feedback show a little later in the week. So keep that in mind. Thank you for subscribing, staying subscribed, getting all these episodes. We've got big plans uh, for the Under the Dome Radio podcast. It's been a pleasure, Wayne. Definitely a great pilot to start off the show. And uh, I, I, 
I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. I've thoroughly enjoyed the pilot, and I think it's going to do do some great things. I mean, 13.14 million people can't be wrong, and that's before the seven day numbers get added in. Absolutely, that's it's definitely worked really well for CBS and Stephen King, and we're just. Glad to be having this fan podcast for Under the Dome. Most episodes of this podcast will probably be within the uh, 45 minute to 55 minute range. But then again, with podcasts, there are no rules, really. We can uh, go however we want. But uh, so much excellent listener feedback. Couldn't leave any of that out this particular week. And our propane tank, you know, we're speaking of those. I was looking over the one here outside the studio. Looks like it is running a little low like it was last time. So the conversation doesn't end here. You can always find out the latest and greatest about Under the Dome Radio. Just visit the website at underthedomeradio.com. And pretty soon, like Troy mentioned, you can kind of sponsor a donation of some propane so we won't have it running low near the end of each episode. Yeah, and if you you sponsor, head on over to Facebook. Uh, definitely leave a comment, share your dome head picks, or wearing your dome head swag. Or both. At, or both. Yeah, and you can even uh, see if you can recreate the dome of steam on Jim's uh, under the dome coffee mug that he had. That was kind of scary. It was kind of scary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check us out facebook.com slash under the dome radio. Definitely follow us on Twitter at UTD. That's under the dome UTD radio podcast, and use the hashtag pound utdr so that we can find your tweets faster and of course be sure to subscribe to the show in itunes leave us a review or a rating because it does help us hopefully get to number one that's the goal this week dumbheads number one in tv and film and then while you're at your computer please take a few minutes and find out ways you can share your love of the under the dome radio podcast by visiting our new page under the dome radio.com slash love yes definitely we love the love and we will share the love and let your voice be heard send in your thoughts play it on the next episode of the podcast just remember um, all the details are at under the dome radio.com as well as the dome heads section where if you've uh, sent your picture or will soon be sending your picture we'll be uh, showcasing those at under the dome radio.com slash dome heads but until the next episode of under the dome radio You can always look for us around the mill. You can always find us. Lost, out on the fringe, trapped under the dome.